0: And welcome to ten thousand posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. It's the show about how uh, we are currently in the second day being brutalized by the British Sun. Uh, I stepped outside to take my bins out, uh, uh, and it feels like I'm back in Dubai, which means I hate it so much. Um, except like it's it it. it I I feel I I, I'm going to like open up this question to the floor, Uh, but British people act really weird in the sun. um, And it kind of, it kind of feels like we're sort of like entering kind of chaos mode, like fairly soon, at least with my neighbors who are no longer talking. They are just sort of making kind of weird animalish sounds at each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of which uh, I'm joined by my co-host Phoebe Roy. Uh, Phoebe, (laughs) how is the sun uh, on your second day? Are your neighbors acting more normal than mine?
1: Uh, well, actually, no, and um, they had a, a big screaming row just now, which they seem to have screamed themselves out and um, gone to sleep. So right. fair, en- like, fair enough. But they like they've got they've got like they've got life figured out because they've got this. Um, they've got this. Uh, it's like it's like somewhere between a paddling pool and a kind of proper sized swimming pool. So it's like enough to kind yeah. of like paddle around in. Um, and it's nice. Yeah. To, it's like it's like it's large enough to kind of do a sort of modified doggy paddle um and i keep kind of looking at it in a (laughs) in a kind of a oh i would like to go over there and go and go in the pool kind of kind of way um but yeah no no no. like it's 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 fine here i'm very um i'm very i'm very fortunate in um my place being very well insulated so it's not so it's so it doesn't get boiling hot either um uh but I am sitting I'm, in direct, yeah. as I said before we started recording, I am under a skylight and so I am sitting in direct sunlight. Yeah, well look, now? it's like those,
0: it's, it's, well, it's like those like, right wing Twitter guys say, which is that like, if you bask in the sun, then like, your, your, your like, testosterone levels go up and that makes you like, more of a chad. Sure. Um, so I'm just going to assume that that's kind of what you're doing. Um we are joined today by a special guest and I'm gonna ask him uh what's uh what what his tactics are for beating the heat. We are joined by uh Alan White. Uh, he's been on the show before to talk about magic and magicians. Uh and he is also the editor of Politics Home. Hey. How's it going?
2: Yeah, good, good. Um I'm I'm British, so I'm harder than the sun. Um <laughs> <laughs> simple word, yes. really. I just I just go out. I don't don't let it bother me. I go out in a coat or a a three-piece suit. um, Yeah. And if you don't like it, you know where the door is, don't you? That's yeah.
0: That's that's right. Well, like you, 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 you and I, you and I are like slamming hot coffees. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm on my third one today. It's piping hot. Um, because I'm not like one of those sissy soy boys that drinks uh, drinks coffee with ice with it. No, no. Um,
2: All those threads about, yeah, stay inside. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. Find well, actually, that. this
0: is, yeah, this is kind of actually what my neighbour said to me. He was just like, yeah, I'm not listening to the government um, about, like, the sun. Even though the government hasn't really given any kind of, like, advice about it.
2: Um, they're like, yeah, it's like, like sunbathing, tweet yeah. from Chris Whitty going, yeah, it's quite hot out there.
0: <laughs> and it's, like, Chris, loads of people getting mad, yeah. yeah, loads of people getting mad at him. So, yeah, they're all, like, sunbathing, and, like, I feel very sorry for the kids, but, you know, yeah, like, fine, like, you know, uh, I'm beyond caring at this I saw, point. I saw so. in
2: Parliament, like, Christopher Chopper saying we just need to adapt, and that's, that is the kind of business mindset that I think we need. Like, we just need yeah. to evolve quicker. Why <laughs> yeah. do we not have humps on our backs? Or, you know...
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Um,
2: well, it, that's it is, why it, we left it, yeah. Europe, right? So we could you know, develop. Yeah, well, so, it's, it's so
0: that Britain could decide what temperature it wanted without any <laughs> interference. And now, bloody well. Exactly. And, and th- and the problem now with Keir Starmer is that his plot to uh, rejoin the EU means that he's working with uh, the EU Commission to decide what temperature Britain is allowed yeah. to have. And if anything, uh, it should be hotter than this. It uh, and it's against it our... Yeah, that's, that's the position. It should be hotter than this. But um, we aren't going to talk about the heat today. Uh, uh, because I couldn't, I also couldn't really find any good hot posts. Uh, sadly <laughs> enough, I was really looking for like, I'm really hoping that hot posts will emerge like soon because it'll be really sad if they don't, but, uh, there is something hot going on at the moment, which is, uh, the, uh, conservative, uh, leadership, ca- leadership race. I've sort of been half paying attention to it. Um, and, uh, I was, I, I was unsure whether like we'd do this as an episode, um, until I realize that all of them have sort of been like enamored by posts to some degree. And that is sort of going to be like the center of the episode. Um, but to start us off, uh, we have like a posting related thing, Alan, that you uh, pointed out to us. Um, something that was actually only posted a couple of days ago uh, by one of the conservative leadership candidates who also has like a very interesting history with the Internet in and of itself. Uh, it is the uh, Penny Morton, who is currently one of the fr- one of like the kind of top contenders for the role at the moment. Um, I think at the time of recording, she has made it through, like to the next round. She has, yeah. Um, or like, we will do it. Um, she posted this infographic a few days ago, which I thought was very, very funny. Um, in the infographic, which was posted at the time that the leadership candidates were doing the Channel Four thing, um, she, uh, the infographic says the top, uh, the top 180 innovations that we have had. Dot. Uh, how many of those are used in the NHS? None. Um, it's a picture of her at the debate, kind of saying this. I have no idea what it means, but I do think it's very, very funny. Alan, as the person who sent this to us, <laughs> uh, do you want? Do you want no, to kick us off? Do you want to kick us off with like what what we're looking at here?
2: Yeah, I. I, I mean, I don't know. It's just some some words and a number, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and the, evidently, because she then deleted it, she didn't know either. Did so, she delete
0: it? Oh, that's that's a shame. Yeah. yeah
2: so I think. I think what's happened, I think, and this is like the most charitable thing, is that she's talking live on TV. She she sort of just says words, which is what happens when you're talking live on TV. Um, yeah. But the problem for Penny is that she's got this social media team who are like, grab that, grab that, turn it into a memeable moment. Yeah. And so they have grabbed that, and it's only latterly that they've realized that she was literally just saying random words. Um, yes. And she went viral in a really embarrassing way. Um, so, what's the moral there? Uh, stop trying to meme everything. I feel like we're going to touch <laughs> on that a bit more.
0: No, I mean, I would also <laughs> say, I, I, would, I would argue that the moral is um, even if you post something that people are dunking on, don't delete it because no, it will yeah. only make things worse. Yeah, absolutely. Should, she, should, she, should have, she should have like doubled down on yeah. it. Yeah tr- um, Trump,
2: would have, Trump would have gone, actually. We're not making use of the top 180, and I guarantee that we will make use of the top 120. I mean, there were like a bunch of people going, What about like x ray machines? They didn't exist. And, you know, uh, all the high tech stuff the NHS does. But that shouldn't stop you, should it? You should pose through these things.
1: 180 is a strange number <laughs> to have chosen because like okay like I I get you saying the top 10 innovations the top 100 innovations even the top 1000 why 180 like if i was like if i was given to thinking about things in this fashion i would be i'd be on the forums trying to decode what the 180 <laughs> Means in this regard, uh, particularly, yeah. since, particularly since there is a um, since there is a company called One Hundred and Eighty Innovations, who are a private label manufacturer offering a full range of health and beauty products, and who originally started as as thermometer makers. So it's almost like she was reading it about this this crowd like before the speech and so just the words 180 innovations was just yeah in her head um but it's 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 just it's just a very it's just like it's a very strange thing to say but it's even stranger to back down on it
2: yeah Mm -hmm? yeah exactly
0: so my, my issue, I've, I've got a couple of issues of this first is that like, I can understand where this comes from in the sense that like, when you're being trained to do like public speaking or debating or whatever, like one of the kind of key things, well, so when you're like doing, you know, I, when, when I was doing like competition debating a long, long time ago, one of the things that you were told was that like the way that you sort of like make a good argument is by like having a statement, putting a number in it. Um, and then contextualizing it that way because it was harder in that type of format to like refute someone's numbers, right? So I think it's very clearly that she's looking, she was looking during the preparation time, she was like looking for numbers, but the number like sort of stuck in her head. It didn't quite kind of like figure out how it lands or like, whether she sort of needs to be more specific. So the 180 for her is like that, like I can imagine a debate coach being like, that's the key thing. You need to say 180 because none of these like fuckers like with you are going to like challenge that. What are they going to, what's like Tom Tugendhat going to say, actually there's 170. No, he's not.
2: They didn't. Yeah, 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 he's
0: he's not, he's not going to say any of that shit. So I imagine when she said that it's just like, yeah, she's like landed the killer blow. But the problem with like Ben posting that online is that like it's a completely different like way of communicating where if you post numbers on there, people get mad at you and they like get mad at you at these very, very specific ways. So it's like it's like this kind of broad, it's this conflict of like when you're speaking to someone and like you're kind of having like a debate with them where you don't know anything, adding numbers is great because you can basically bullshit your way through this. But the opposite is kind of true online. Like the, the vaguer you are, the more likely you are to be successful.
2: Totally. Like I've done a, I've done an interview just uh, the other week about about what I do at work, and I'll be honest. I'm I'm now bricking it because, like, <laughs> I've said <laughs> a load of stuff that definitely felt true at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Like you know, once it's turned into actual words that can be screen grabbed, maybe maybe yeah. it's not. And, and then what do I do? I, you know you have so you get the weird thing where politicians go, I misspoke. And um, twitter goes screw you you lied you're caught out lying but actually we misspeak all the time i'm going to misspeak at least 30 times during this right i'm sorry in a part
0: yeah but yeah and then we're going to oh, yeah. like make infographics with uh, with those words aren't they yeah
1: but this is what i think is interesting because the leadership debates were like they were incredibly vague and they were ver- they were incredibly vague and they were also as we will discuss had their agenda absolutely like demonstrably set by what happens by what happens on social, on social media there's there's this there's this uh fixation with trying to appear the, trying to appear the least woke there's this like we, there, there's this, there was this kind of weird sort of couple of days where uh candidates were sort of calling each other woke and saying well I don't I don't like I don't think less of her because she's woke but she is she's woke and yeah this is and this is operating and this is what and this is so interesting to me because this is what people actually should be talking about when they say well well twitter is not real life what they mean is none of it matters and none of it is and none of it is like has any kind of material effects on the outside world, so you can just say whatever and it doesn't matter. But what it actually means, and this is what what people should actually mean by it when they say it, is that it's not real life. In that it in is that it engenders this operational feedback loop, which contains these uh, these different kind of talking points, which are nothing to do with life as lived like it has been repeatedly demonstrated for example that basically nobody outside of any kind of media whether that be legacy media or social media is much interested in trans issues beyond just leave them alone let them live their lives like this this has no this either has an effect on me because I know and love trans people or it has no effect on me because I don't know and love any trans people. So what does it matter? I don't care. Um, but it's but it's an absolutely central running theme that has gone through all of the candidates, all the candidates' speeches. And they're getting it from somewhere. And they're getting it from a feedback loop with the media, um, with the legacy media. And the legacy media get it from people who are radicalized to different degrees by posting like this is like this is this is something which like kind of started on like started on mumsnet and then sort of spread sort of spread out spread out to spread out to twitter and it and it and it creates this like hermetically sealed box this is what again what people mean when they talk about the westminster bubble which literally is a bubble where they are not making they're not Mm. they're not discussing the climate they're not discussing the cost of living crisis they're not discussing the supply chain crisis all they're talking about is this weird lie that you're not allowed to say mother anymore and which is a weird lie it's such like it's such a strange thing to fixate on
0: yeah you can't say mother you have to say darren aronofsky's film that's right
1: that's the gender neutral Terminology. I think that, <laughs> that's what it says in the big document that they that they gave me. Um, uh, that's what it says. Right, yeah, that's, that's correct. Says, yeah, you're right. right. Yeah, there. you are. But you, this is what yeah. it actually means when it when we say Twitter is not real life. Is it, that, is it that the agendas set by Twitter and then taken up by the much larger platformed and institutionally gifted legacy media? is not real life because the fixations of the obsessions are nothing to do with the way that most people in this country live and it's nothing to do with what most people in this country are interested in either because and I know that and I know that the leadership debate is like is, is, I know it's settled by the Tory membership and goodness knows the Tory membership must be quite a quite an interesting group of people i mean if you are still a if you're still a, if you are still a voting <laughs> tory member here in big twenty twenty two, then that's then that's like then you are an extraordinary person, and you are uh, again, you are not real life. You are nothing to do with with most people in this country, um, and I understand that they are speaking to the membership, but they do also have to understand how it's going to look to uh, potential voters in the future. And it's so interesting that 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 how much of the post-2019 stuff has just been, has, has just been dropped because uh, even, like, even during the start of the pandemic when people were sort of saying, you know that Sunak is actually uh, quite a socialist thinker um, and then all he can do when presented with a microphone is say, I just think that you should be allowed to call a mother a mother. <laughs> well, I, I do have a response to that, but it is one that would get me banned from online um so yeah so i think this is i so i think this is what is so interesting about about it is that it like unwittingly uh it unwittingly proves something which we've sort of dismissed as a kind of thought terminating cliche but in sort of from quite a different direction
2: i think what you're saying phoebe is is pretty um is pretty much right like i so i am quite old but uh, I probably, both of you guys are familiar with Brass right? Yes. So um, some of this, I think, is not new. So mm. there has always been a tendency within politics to just respond to the thing that you are told is important mm. by someone. And I think we sometimes overestimate exactly how much insight politicians have into how much they understand how much people care about stuff. So I was living in Portsmouth at the time Brass Eye came out, and I remember my local MP appearing on Channel 4 and telling us that paedophiles were taking over uh, an area of the internet the size of Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> One of the all-time great MPO's. owns, um, yeah. you know, because Chris Morris had said that's what they're doing, you know, and and my MP had gone right, but to say something about that sounds serious, you know. <laughs> um, so, to a degree, that sort of tendency has always been there. Mm. Um, I think that what's interesting about this sort of latest iteration of that um, is that partly there's 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 a couple of extra things in play. So one is that, um, you know, of course, there's a lack of willingness to talk about some of the stuff you mentioned, like the cost of living crisis and net zero and that stuff. And it's hardly surprising because, frankly, they've been well, partly useless and part absolutely clobbered by COVID. So, you know, mm. what have they done? Mm. What, are their, what are their big ideas that are going to help people? Well, leveling up, which, like, from by all accounts, whenever the new person starts is just dead in the water because there was no money really attached anyway. You've also mm. got, I mean, one of the things that whoever's in government, literally anyone who is in government comes up against the thing that you see described on Twitter as treasury brain So whatever you try and do, you will get officials from the Treasury going, can't do that, can't spend that money because then you're going to get into a cycle of inflation. And So, you know, the instinct is always to try and save money where possible and, uh, you know, off the back of a pandemic where, you know, in fairness, they have spent a lot of money, Treasury brain is through the roof now. So, you know, all those other things that you'd think about being big and bold and exciting on, like, education. They're busy playing catch-up because of the two years that students have missed. Health is obviously, was already in in massive state of crisis, and now that's even worse. You know, I mean, you you could say they've done something vaguely good on defence and the involvement in Ukraine, and by God, they've been milking it, haven't they? But really, there's nothing there. So if there's nothing there, what else do you go to as a government you probably Mm -hmm. do go to this sort of peripheral stuff and hammer on about, you know, uh, women's toilets or what some junior common room has voted for and all that Mm. stuff. You know, I mean, Penny Morden is one of these candidates. I mean, so there's that. And I think there's also just a bit of a sort of intellectual vacuity at the heart of a lot of the people yeah, at the top of government so Penny Morden sort of wrote this book you know she's the only one of the candidates who set out her stall in terms of this is what I will you know this is how I'm going to make people's lives better and I mean I've skimmed it and uh from from my reading of it you have this sort of mix of like what I'm now calling Paddington Bear Englishness you know it's like <laughs> oh we love fry-ups and um and just does Paddington bear like' well, ups? i just i feel like he's the sort of person who likes you know yeah. not not you know like not the one in the films, but the one who you know appears with the Queen at the Platy jubes and he likes, right. he likes okay yeah all right, fine. and fair play and hard border policy despite having you know been an immigrant himself and probably likes. Uh, frothing pints of real ale um, i'm sorry, digressing anyway, so it's sort of adding, <laughs> adding to their sort of you know patriotism and and just productivity really and that's it that's all she's really got across the course mm. of of two hundred yeah. pages so so i think there's I think those two tendencies are sort of in play um, around this. I mean mm. the other thing that's sort of interesting is sort of how this whole Uh, a wokeness and cancel culture stuff has sort of developed, you know, because, you know, Mm. the concept, and I got into a massive old Twitter row literally yesterday over this, um, where I basically thought, you know, being woke was definitely, you know, it means something if it's 2014 and you live in Missouri and, you know, you're dealing with uh, particularly brutal American cops, it, by the time I first saw the term, you know, and obviously my own online experience is quite sequestered, it was it was largely seemed to be used ironically by by sort of people on Tumblr, and somehow mm-hmm. it leapfrogged from that to like, you know, this thing that the Daily Mail is angry about, um, and I'm I'm kind of you know, and it now has been hammered by the right wing media so relentlessly that it's lost all possible sense of meaning mm. <laughs> it could be literally anything now you know um it's mm. just
0: yeah like drinking iced coffee it's absolutely like one of the worst right. things absolutely. you
2: could do and, and you and i both agree on that as i but, but yeah. <laughs> you know uh so yeah, there's there's quite a bit going on here. Try, should I stop rambling there? I feel like that's a good enough rambling. No, no, because
0: no, because I, I was going to say that actually some of the bits that you sort of brought, both of you have brought up, like do kind of like. Uh, I, I have like like featured in the notes and they do sort of come up when we talk about like the candidates and the state of the race in general. Yeah. Um, and maybe this is like a good way to sort of get into it. Because I was going to also talk about another Penny Morden tweet, which I just thought was very funny. It doesn't really need, need much analysis. But she posted something yesterday, which was another infographic of like, which candidate do you prefer? Uh, where she uh, matches in joint second or potentially third, depending on how you like view polling. Um, so Rishi comes first, none unsure comes second second at 19 percent and then she comes at 19 percent as well um so in theory like i don't know based on like very my very bad like recollection of statistics realistically she's come third in that thing and i just think it's a very funny thing to like post that like you're third preference and i don't know maybe a strategic in the sense that like she's going out for like uh second preference votes from like other candidates and stuff um it is it is very weird to sort of see this stuff because as uh phoebe as you mentioned like this is a race that is kind of being carried out by like it'll be decided by conservative members um but it's like being played out in public so we kind of all feel that we are participating some way in all this but like the reality is that they are talking to like a certain like a very small number relatively small number of people um in so it's like the the interesting part is much more like how do they kind of view their role both in the party and just like in the nature of like governance
2: i mean i mean not just relatively small it is a tiny number of people in terms of the population and i've you know in my work i've had tories say to me this is mad you know i mean they've not cared enough to do anything about it which is pretty standard but like (laughs) they are absolutely like why on earth are 200 MPs and a bunch of people who live in Leatherhead <laughs> uh, deciding the next Prime For too Minister. too long
0: the people of Leatherhead have had their voices <laughs> like right. silence and now now they will find they now they'll get to now they will get to decide the future of public bathrooms in britain and uh i yeah. think that's a good thing but no, let's talk about like so with with that in mind in terms of like okay based on like how i so like my wife and i have watched a couple of the debates and like you know uh alan you've probably paid a lot more attention to them than i have um but my impression is that, that there seems to sort of be like a real vacuity of like any kind of like idea or like ideology um, in any of this, even just like stuff that you would kind of disagree, like we would like, or like many people would kind of politically disagree with, um, it, it just seems to sort of be like lack of ideas generally, like for the most part, the, the kind of consensus among all of them is that we're going to do various forms of tax cuts. We're going to like do a little bit of privatization, but like, please don't go into specifics. And also I'm less woke than the other candidates. Um,
2: yeah I mean Kemi is like the queen of that right so Kemi this may
0: be where we get to start because what I was going to say before we sort of just talk to Kemi is that like one of the kind of key things that seems to be evident in all of them is just like their relationship to like the internet and just like online like just or just like being online and like they've kind of signaled <laughs> yes. it they've signaled and overture to it in like various ways kemi has sort of been the most direct in that so maybe like as a starting point especially because it seems that she might actually make it to the top three or whatever by the time that this recording finishes uh, or definitely by the time it comes out why don't we start with her in terms like can you sort of tell us like more about her um especially because like prior to this like i we hadn't really heard much from her except for like uh, very like, and the, all the instances where you sort of heard from her were all kind of like wokeness related. There was the incident where she sort of like publicly, um, publicly tried to shame a journalist for like asking a very basic question, um, and a very reasonable question as well. But like. But my impression when that happened was very much like, yeah, she's sort of playing to like a base of very online people that she's very clearly like plugged into a lot more than the other candidates. So yeah. Why don't, why don't we like. Yeah, well, about-
1: well, it was not, it was not just that, that she was playing to a base. It was that like, this is somebody who has completely internalized the logics of the logics that we always talk about, which is using, which is like using, uh, using the, the possibilities of, of social media as a mixture of a kind of, as a mixture of a kind of disciplinary tool against people that you don't like. And also as a kind of, as a, as a harassment driver, but also that she's completely internalized the idea that you don't deal with things privately. You don't deal with things Mm. professionally. You want, if you want to make the biggest impact, what you do is you, Uh, is you screenshot and publish private correspondence. And it's no different from somebody taking a creep shot of somebody else on the train. Like that's like, it's the same, like it's the same impulse being played out. And yeah, it's like, it's almost certainly the case that she wanted to, uh, like I said, kind of publicly discipline this journalist. But because like a right of reply email, it's a very, very normal thing uh, normal thing to to do. It's not like e- like even like the like the the text of the email was like it was completely respectful. It was completely normal. and it was absolutely the, like the normal run of things. And the way that 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 kemi seems to be kind of operating is is in this kind of deliberate in the mold of American conservatism we we now na- we reject these institutional norms and we are rejecting them in favor of um well in favor of a much more kind of not necessarily fascist but like a kind of much more kind of fascistic way of way of thinking and um it's really really noticeable that the way that cuz because like cuz a politician can can discipline a freelance journalist like pretty easily like that's not that's not a hard thing to do but for her for like for her like the choice that she made, like the trajectory that she made, was so, was such, was so foreign. And brain. I think that's really, and I think that's really interesting. And like I said, it's much more in like in like the mold of like the uh, kind of kind of the next generation of kind of sort of grouper conservatives.
2: I'm I'm adamant that Kemi's got an alt somewhere. Yeah, me too. That that would be absolutely fascinating. And my suspicion. Is that Kemi Zole is like, it's not like one of those sort of eggs with some numbers on Twitter just like, you know, tweeting abuse. I think it's I think it's probably an account on somewhere like Reddit, or mm. maybe even it's somewhere more like, I don't know, is Metafilter still a thing? It's like one of mm-hmm. those forums like that, where I reckon she goes on there and loves sort of just owning people with facts and logic (laughs) it's like you know she gets into a big debate with someone then wallops a jordan peterson video right in their face (laughs) like i feel feel like that's her sort of secret online presence Mm. because i do think i mean you look at her background you know she she's on record as having hacked a labor mp's website and having had to apologize for it she worked in programming she was then like digital director for the yeah. yeah. i don't really know what that involved but like this is a person who is very much online even Mm. if most of the comms most of the time are pretty run-of-the-mill like i'm pretty i mean like i'm on record about that whole situation with the journalist and i was genuinely staggered by exactly as phoebe says the way that that norms and you know we always talk about trump in this regard but Uh, You know, just sort of smashed through the received, acceptable way of doing stuff. And what really I found genuinely quite upsetting was that the institutions weren't in a position to really handle, Mm. you know? Mm. So the lobby journalists themselves, I sort of feel like if she'd done that to someone that, that, you know, was like some big, white, middle-class, middle-aged, Lobby political editor, we'd be in a different, you know, it would be a different thing in terms of how it played out. Yeah, oh, I the think, lobby, should, I think if you played it you know, to you know,
1: Andrew Neil, it would be a very, it would be a yeah, very, well, I
0: uh, not um, even Andrew, because I've Andrew Neil, I think, is like a different kind of beast, uh, in, in terms of talking about this, but even just like someone who, as you mentioned, like is a lo- was a lobby journalist, uh, in and kind of like one of the more sort of conventional ones. Uh, Yeah, it would have been very, very different. I think... Yeah,
2: yeah. and I I think I was really... I mean, I know that people in the lobby did try to do stuff behind the scenes, but I was kind of like, you know, where's the... That should be on mass yeah. as a group, just going. No it also, to fe- yeah, so I make- mean, it also
0: sort of feels and like they, a bit counter. They were,
2: I don't mind saying this, like they were huffing and puffing at me because I said this publicly. Why aren't you all just? And they go, well, you know, we're complaining lots and lots. You know, that we're right, right. talking to them every day, and I'm kind of like, you don't need to keep this one in house from us. Like, this is mm, a shocker. Yeah,
1: yeah, it, no, it, it, no, it is, and like, but this is like, this is the thing. Like, I mean, I am, I am like, only persuaded. Uh, by the the kind of value of sort of institutional norms if they have a kind of materially improving effect on people's lives like I like I find I I found some of the uh some of the stuff around uh, around Johnson very unappetizing shall we say because I don't I don't really care if someone does does things right and um and, and, you know, has kind of has respect for institutional norms. If, you know, meanwhile they are voting to immiserate and murder, like that's it's something which is not, it's not, it's not a huge, it's not a huge like plus for me if at least they're doing it according to the way things get done in the lobby. Like, I don't, like, I, like, personally, that that's not a particularly persuasive argument um, for their goodness. But it is also, it is also meaningful and troubling that there is this uh this new way of of operating politically which does involve that kind of deliberate break with institutional norms because they're still going to be voting for the same stuff and they're still going to be making the same appalling ruinous murderous policies um but there's but there's so there's not e- but there's not even there's not even a kind of sense of continuity and like even though i mean i d- again i don't i'm not wholly convinced that continuity is the best thing in the world, but if you but unless you are like genuinely like a serious accelerationist and like not like a kind of not a kind of bullshit like well maybe like maybe trump will like wake people up to like the you know the decay at the heart of the american empire maybe that's what's going to happen like you have to be like a proper serious no no no. this is a good thing because this is what's going to lead to the revolution you have to be a serious accelerationist um to think that this is anything other than other than alarming but it's also but it's also meaningful if if somebody like Kemi thinks that they can safely do this without much in the way of eyebrow-raising, either from her colleagues in government or from from the media.
2: Well, there was a great viral tweet, I remember, at the sort of peak of Trump where, I mean, someone just tweeted something like, Steve Bannon, brackets, says something racist. Reporter, that's racist. Steve Bannon... Yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's fascinating, isn't it? How yeah, once that genie is out of the bottle, and you realise that certain norms and certain conventions can be flouted and nothing happens. There's no mm. putting it back, you know, yeah. unless you start rewriting the rules and introducing jail time for this, that, and the other. So yeah, I I mean I found that whole incident really quite sort of troubling you know and, it, and it's in stark contrast really to the sort of online behavior of the others um i mean look at henny's real brush with the internet was to introduce the um the new set of emojis
1: yes i
0: have put them in the chat uh just are in case end- you forget
1: <laughs>
2: um
1: oh god they're so they're just so good like
0: i love how hand-drawn they are i think that's actually kind of cool You know,
1: they also look like um, they look like you know when when like large corporations are like forced to do some kind of greenwashing, and so they have like a kind of temporary. Oh, this is this is the this is the Earth Week version of our of like our usual. This is like the Earth Week version of the Shell logo. They always look like this. They always look like a kind of little globe guy. Um, but I. Genuinely, I cannot imagine how much her staff must hate her <laughs> to let her <laughs> go out in public and say, and say like, this is, this is how we're going to be dealing See, with I, I this. I personally yeah.
2: love, I love everything about this. Because what, what it says to me is that you've got a politician who is aware of a problem... Right. and doesn't really understand anything about the context to the problem or the uh you know the background to it and yet is determined to come up with a solution regardless and having done that decides to just throw it out into the ether just in case she's right
1: yeah i think um, yeah no it's completely right and did you cause did you know i did not know this that this uh, this emoji development project uh was backed in part by the joe cox foundation right and i think that i think that the fact that a sitting mp was murdered in the street by a fascist which has had more or less no effect whatsoever on the political social or cultural climate and it has been lumped in together with people getting mad at MPs online about their voting record, which is something which you are entitled to do as a political subject. Which
2: which by the way, that, that same discourse immediately sprung up again when um David Amos was murdered. And again, yeah. that that was I mean, that was as far as I can tell a, a, an Islamic fundamentalist and I'm I'm sorry, but kindness in discourse is really a drop in the ocean in terms of dealing with either of those two cases, right?
1: Yeah, like, yeah I mean, like precisely, and bearing in mind that uh, that Joe Cox was um, was a kind of known advocate for um, for refugees and immigrants, I just feel like the Joe Cox Foundation have quite a lot of better use cases, shall we say? Yeah, yeah than helping, than giving, giving Penny Mordant money to come up with a peering over glasses emoji or a that won't do emoji. Like, genuinely, what do they imagine is going to be the response <laughs> if you send someone a that won't do finger wagging emoji? Well, what it, do you think someone's going to say to that? Said, yeah. the, thing,
2: the thing that should terrify you is that that, okay, that is, you know, parliament's response to murders and yet that level of response that level of insight that's also where we're at with global warming and the possibility (laughs) of nuclear war that's right we are giving we're giving global warming a
0: yellow card private (laughs) um what I was gonna say was like I think like the emojis the emojis are like a really interesting like artifact to look at in terms of like in relation to like this the time that we're in it's gonna be really interesting to look back on once like I think there's broadly a more sophisticated understanding of like the internet and like the way that it sort of exists as a um like as a as a system of social relations whereas like that where we haven't sort of got to that place in the mainstream right now because what those like emojis sort of do it, you know I, I don't think I I don't think that. You know, there was any kind of uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe Penny Morden did think that they, they might be adopted by Facebook or something. But like, you know, new emojis are sort of released all the time. And the only time you ever hear about it is when people get mad about like, you know, oh, this emoji of a pregnant man is like or a pregnant, like male looking versus like, you know, uh, uh, like, you know, it, it's another sign of uh, of like, you know, elite co-option or whatever the fuck like, you know, they're, they're on about now. Um, but it also does encapsulate as Alan, as you mentioned, like, you know, this sort of uh, how, how this government and how like politics has sort of like perceived almost every problem that it faces, which is that like you should respect the institutions and if like the problems is persisting it's because there isn't enough respect towards the institutions and the people that run them. Um, And that respect should also mean that like there should be like no real, like, you know, there should be no, like no real challenges to them. But at the same time, when presented with like those real problems, um, the only thing that's really demanded of you is to sort of be more civil and quiet when it comes to like, Uh, even like mentioning it in any way like and that sort of feels like very evident in the debates in and of themselves as well um you know like i there have been a couple of times where like you know you've had like quite good uh the 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 people like uh like uh challenging like the candidates and like presenting them questions like the the krishna murphy one i thought was quite was like he was quite good at that um But what seems very clear is that like, and and I think this is especially clear of Rishi Sunak as well, where he has kind of just openly said that, yeah, like, I know that this is a problem, but I've done my bit and I'm not going to do anything else. And like, you should sort of be okay with that. And that was like very evident when... Uh, he was challenged on like the cost of living and the idea that okay well this like small amount that you're giving people is nowhere near enough to sort of cover like a tripling of like energy bills in a country where these bills are like already like the most expensive in Europe and his answer to that was something along the lines of like well I don't think people really expect the state to do everything and if we think the state can do everything well then we'll have some real problems won't we so as I mentioned I gave everyone like you know between 400 to like 1200 pounds um, and we'll continue to do more to support and strengthen our economy like all these sort of non things, which kind of just point to the fact that like, there is no vision for how, or there is no vision among most of these candidates for like how they would actually use the state structure to actually help people materially in any way not i'm not not even like demanding mm-hmm. like full socialism and stuff just like the very bare minimum of like liberal democracy is like something that apparently is now beyond like any um it, you know it is now beyond like the capacity like the capacity and capability of the state which then leads me on to like the question that i had and i wanted to pose to you which is has the kind of like pre- the has like the sort of dominance of uh like online nonsense or even just like woke culture war issues that broadly like stem and still kind of broadly exist in online spaces do they kind of serve as ways for like conservative candidates and just people in the actual politics to talk about anything because i guess the reality is is that they can't really talk about like how they would improve people's lives materially when like half of them don't actually believe they can even do it
2: Mm. yeah i think that's really interesting in terms of the the sort of the big state and the quality of life stuff. I mean I, I think um, so I guess I mean one thing I guess are you asking is is sort of that it's the media leading this through a thirst for page views, right? Well
0: that was that was sort of like a follow up question, but um, yeah. I guess I can like, I can get um, I guess I can add like, that add that in because the question that I was then gonna sort of follow up with Um, was like, okay, so you're confronted with like a type of a political system where Um, the ruling party doesn't actually, doesn't actually believe that like the state can do anything, not let alone should. Like a lot of them have sort of like, you know, grew up in the, well, they sort of grew like were in politics during the austerity period and that like had to sell it. And you now got this like consensus among many of them that like, you shouldn't really expect anything, not even the bare minimum, even in the face of like catastrophe and disaster. Um, Mm. But then you also have a media that is being challenged by like social media and like by self, like online publishers, everyone becoming a publisher now. Um, And it's led them to like this weird situation where like on the one hand, in terms of British media anyway, they've had because of Boris Johnson and because of his history and because of his um, position as a media figure, they have sort of operated with him in a particular way, which has been very kind of like insider driven or seems very insider-driven, seems very sort of like access-based. And like, that's how the government have sort of been playing like lots of like journalists in terms of like feeding stories and everything. But then they also have the second problem of like, well, in order to survive, we do need to like, play the game, right? So we do need to like post stuff that goes viral and we need to you need to get page views and we do need to like meet all our KPIs. And the way that you can do that is by like manufacturing like stuff that Phoebe, as you mentioned, is not particularly like materially relevant to most people, but because it has such a kind of prominence in digital space, it's very easy then for these kind of newspapers and media organizations with access to like uh government to then say, "Oh, yeah, this is the stuff that our readers care about, and you really need to engage with that because our readers care about it, even if like the idea of like a son or a male online reader is like completely nebulous
2: so mm. that is that is absolutely my first thought on all that you know is that without getting too far into like a wanky chat about you know publishing norms and stuff <laughs> like I mean yeah, there are because uh, people go, oh well, you know, here's what happens, right? As the media are chasing traffic incentives, it's all clickbait, and so they they decide that this stuff is important, and then and then the politicians feel that they have to respond to it. But I'm not entirely sure that 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 is true. Like, like it is true, but mm-hmm. also it's not. So, I mean. Look at the gender stuff that Phoebe was talking about um, earlier. I don't think that that's been pushed to the forefront of like media priorities um, because of traffic. I think it's been pushed to the forefront of media priorities because there are a number of senior managers who think it's important, you know, mm. and have and have very and have worked pretty tirelessly to make it into a hot button
1: topic right um, this is what i mean about radicalization though because yeah. I, because the the people who are obsessed with with trans people and obsessed with causing misery and difficulty to trans people let's be let's let's be let's be clear here it's not that they're obsessed in like a in, in like a kind of nice healthy way uh, they they would be they would absolutely dismiss any suggestion that they are no different from some poor bastard who gets taken in by q but all of the, but all of the way they behave and think and talk is it's, exa- it's exactly the same they see everything through the frame of their obsession they can't drop it they can't stop this um, stop this idea that they're this like beleaguered truth telling minority and everyone else who is either worried about them or is telling them to shut up is, um, has been kind of taken in by this kind of monstrous Kabbalistic, uh, uh, gr- sort of group that's sort of telling them to kind of sort of telling them to think one thing. And like their like their insane hostility to particularly to, uh, to cis women who say I don't have any problem with trans women, why would I? Uh, which goes to show that it's uh, that the claims for it claims for it being uh, a kind of woman centered movement are spurious to say the least, particularly since how since how often uh, trans men and non binary people get kind of left out of the discussion, but. They are obsessed with it, and they are fixated with it, and it has been, and it has been kind of injected into this kind of manufactured, sort of manufactured, post-in, post-out machine, and it's yeah, it's it's not it's not ideal. Well, I what think
2: is- I mean I, I'd sort of also say that I mean there so there's always been a culture war, right? And it was before. Uh, you know, the threads about toilets and statues and whether they should be pulled down and whether, you know, this or that JCR motion is, is, is treason. Um, you know, <laughs> it tended to be that there would be uh, disingenuous media coverage and political reaction to stuff that people do tend to care about. So uh, immigration... And crime mm. and stuff like that, mm. so um, to my mind, you know the thing that 's shifted in the last couple of years is that it 's become these more personalized issues and 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 the question for me is why has it become these more personalized issues and I thought Hussein 's point about the sort of the nebulous concept of the sun reader is is really important because. Mm if you're you know if you are a, a daily mail reader that can now mean that you are a 57 year old tory local association chairman somewhere in the home counties who picks up the paper every day and gets livid about everything that is projected to him or you are a 57 year old housewife in ohio on facebook who believes that uh you know, you're about to be eaten by giant tapeworms because you've come to the brand through Mail Online. <laughs> and to a degree, every single publisher is playing a version of that game, yeah. perhaps not that extreme. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would just sort of I wouldn't I wouldn't caution, but it's it's definitely not as simple as they are only doing this to juice their traffic figures. Mm. It, it it can be as simple as they genuinely think this stuff is important, and so that yeah. that there are, you know, yeah. the sort of media-politico nexus mindset is united on a thing. Um, you know, it it it's pretty pretty, and then the way that those two things interact, the way that you know, kind of an an MP and uh the 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 wider media interact is also confusing. I mean we were mm. I mean think also about the platforms themselves, right? So think about I mean one of the, one of the people whose online presence we didn't talk about is like Liz Truss. So Liz Truss was big for uh you know years prior to this as an Insta babe, right? A political Insta babe who was constantly like, you know, Putting up pictures of her latest tours overseas on instagram to show off you know global oh, yeah Britain she, yeah, she was like prepared.
0: an og internet or she was an og like yeah. instagram tory uh, along with matt hancock yeah.
2: and that made sense when like instagram was a picture app but now it's something you use to like follow people's life updates it's a place you buy clothes and it's also trying to be tiktok and Uh, It's a bit sort of Snapchatty as well. And somehow like Facebook Messenger is connected to it. Like the entire platform itself is disintegrating. So not Mm. only are our online experiences fragmented, but uh, Mm. the, the media brands that use them, that require them in order to exist are becoming increasingly fragmented as well. And so the political response to that in terms of how you message is becoming increasingly fragmented too. Um, what does all that mean? I don't know, because it's too fucking hot to think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> can, I, um, can I, in response to that, can I uh, tell you about my favorite uh, Liz Truss post? It's, yeah, it, let's go for it's it. It's such a classic. It's from a while ago now. It's from like four, like four or five years ago. Uh, but Liz Truss, Seem to have a kind of gal pal friendship with Andrea Ledson, and because Liz Truss apparently, like and again, this is very it's very unclear whether uh, whether this is her Westminster nickname or whether this she wanted it to be her Westminster nickname. Either is either is troubling, um, but apparently, her Westminster nickname is Tigger, and <laughs> she posted a picture of a cuddly toy Tigger that andrea ledsam apparently apparently gave her uh andrea ledsam if you're interested her uh, her nickname in this is kanga um and there's this picture of a kind of it's it's a picture which is like kind of taken from the top like in a in a way that you might imagine someone taking a picture of like of a hostage that they are about oh to God, kind I of mutilate. This, yeah. of this open bag with a cuddly toy tigger sort of on its back on the base of the bag the the tigger doesn't look a hundred percent new it's like it's a bit kind of it's a bit kind of grubby um and just and looks like it's been kind of mauled about a bit but it's just it's it's such it's such a strange i'm I'm looking at it now i'm just going
0: to post it into the chat Um, Uh, I think what's also very funny about this And the reason why I remembered is because the bag Kind of like the way that it's been pictured The bag sort of looks like an open casket
1: Yeah It does It absolutely does
0: It's It's such a horrifying And like Andrea Ledson's writing kind of looks Slightly sort of like serial killer-ish Yeah I don't know if I got this I would definitely read this As a kind of like Hostage or like a
1: threat. I would read I would, think read, it, this I would a read it as
0: a threat. Yeah,
1: it's quite. It's not a very legible threat, but I would definitely see this as a threat. Um, I actually have two things to say before we, um, before we can before we continue because I think that we're probably going to be, uh, sort of running out of time relatively yeah. soon. It's just something that occurred to me that it's just quite. It's just quite funny how the present government is the sort of almost like the closest we've had to like actual leninism in action because there's this idea that like the state will just like naturally fall away um but in the case of leninism the state naturally falls away with the with like the strengthening of the working class um but they think that the state will just naturally fall away if they just don't do anything with it. If they just ignore it, then maybe it will just naturally disintegrate. And it is very, very funny to think of it like that. Um, I also have a theory about when, about when, and why this started. To, this started to happen because obviously, uh, keeping public spending low and keeping taxes low—that's a, that's a very, that's a very kind of normal conservative line to line to take Um, it's kind of you know it's really just it's really just reheated Thatcherism and we don't really need to think of it um as much as sort of much more much more than that but I don't know if either of you remember but there was a there was a book that was released about the about the Tory and Lib Dem uh coalition which said that Everyone thought that the Lib Dems being in coalition with the Tories would kind of water down their water down and kind of make more kind of personable their like their 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 worst instincts. But what actually ended up happening was there would there would be the assumption that the Lib Dems would attempt to water down the worst instincts. So uh so the Tories like did a kind of absolute classic negotiation negotiating trick of asking for much more than they actually wanted and much more than they thought they could ever possibly reasonably get away with expecting the Lib Dems to say no 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 no. we can't we can't do that that's like that's appalling that's evil that's like this is not this is not governing (laughs) um but what happened in every in every uh, in every sense of, the, sense of the word, the Lib Dems just folded at every point that the Tories assumed that they were going to, particularly that David Cameron assumed that they were going to try to uh, sort of try to kind of mediate and ameliorate some of the policies. And this is like, this is one of the reasons why uh, why the welfare cuts under under Cameron were like so, like was so incredibly brutal and so incredibly kind of swinging. Um, and I think that they haven't been able to recover their sort of equi- their sort of, almost their equilibrium since then because they so got so far and away what they ever could have dreamed they could have they could have asked for or that that they could have expected to expected to receive they sort of don't quite know what to do with it it's like a it's like if a kind of like really small child is playing with something dangerous and you tell them to stop and you tell them to stop and you tell them to stop and then you think oh well maybe i can like i can do some reverse psychology and say okay no no go ahead go ahead go ahead play with the cooker Mm -hmm. and they go what really i can play with the cooker shit. And then they don't want to play with the cooker because the cooker is horrible and the cooker will burn them. And I think that's what happened in 2010. And I think that it's apart from Gove, who is a monstrous individual in a number of ways, but it was also relatively well known for the only person pretty much in the whole of Westminster who was capable of getting anything done and wanted to get anything done. And like it was wanting to get things done according to his In my mind, fairly nightmarish vision, but it was still there's still a certain like still a certain kind of level of sort of competence there. But like the but like the rest of them are just toddlers with the cooker, just being like, but but we're so we have to we have to run the country as well because we just it's really funny you say
2: that, Phoebe. Because as (laughs) you have been saying that, literally, as you have been saying that. Politics well, Home has published a story in which Michael Gove has gone on record to say the government is failing to deliver on essential services.
1: There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There, yeah, and I think and I think that was the and I think that was like n- sort of a neglected uh, sort of view of, of Boris Johnson as well that he didn't he didn't want to run a country he just wanted a country and then once he had one he didn't really he didn't really know what to do with it which is which is i mean again like we, we shouldn't say everything's like trump but it's it's a much more trumpian way of approaching things than than really than really we've seen than really we've mm. seen either historically or kind of even in the present time and yeah and the kind of the current candidates like none of them can actually say why it is they want to govern they want to govern because well they're governing so I would like to carry on doing that, <laughs> but I don't want to actually do it. Mm. Please don't, please don't make me.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Man. I mean, I know that. Why? What? One thing I do know is that we are like running out of time uh, fairly soon. So I guess like, uh, as as a kind of like wrapping up, summing up question, but the one because I know we didn't like we haven't spoke like my initial idea was that we were going to like speak about every candidate and their relationship with online. And as I, and it's been trickier because some are kind of more overtly online than others. But what seems to be evident, like watching the debates is that like, it's the idea of online of online and its presence is kind of there. And for the candidate, there are some candidates who have been given those questions and they just like, um, so Grant, well, Grant Chaps wasn't, or like he was a very short lived candidate maybe, but I remember like he was kind of given one of these sort of cultural questions and was just sort of like, yeah, I'm not answering that. That's like an American thing. And like, you know, it's not really my issue. Um, but it seems that like at the further you sort of go in, you have these other candidates who kind of like have to confront it in some way or another. So you have like Rishi Sunak, who does not appear to be a guy who like has ever left LinkedIn having to answer this question about like biological women. Right um or you know you have like liz trust who's like you know again as you mentioned is not like an offline person but whose online experiences are very like much like instagram girl boss like 2014 to 17 um so you have like these candidates who have various degrees of like being online but they have to sort of engage with it in some way or another and i guess the my question is like regardless of what happens in the leadership election is this just something that like politicians are going to have to deal with like in the future like is keir starmer really because you know, you've seen the articles about like, oh, Keir Starmer really needs to like talk more about bathrooms and needs to talk more about like, you know, the wokeness and like you have your spikes and stuff who are encouraging Tory candidates to like go, well, you didn't it's not even spike people. It's also like, what's his name? Uh Matthew Goodwin, the guy who wrote his book and like who ate, who ate his book and ate his book and then somehow got like brain damage from like the ink or something like that, like based on his tweets afterwards. But who is like, oh yeah, the Tories like want to win for like, you know, the country and like have another 10 years. They need to now go fully in on the war on woke right which is like a very far cry from 2019 where he's just like oh yeah labor lost because they felt that twitter was real life and if labor wants to win they need to log off right it feels like a very kind of strange departure from that but the consensus sort of seems to be that this is now a thing that politicians have to deal with so as a kind of as a final question alan i wanted to ask like yeah number one is this something that politicians are going to have to deal with and crucially if they are going to like be if they are sort of going to get ahead of it or at least sort of be in more control of the narrative like do they have to sort of be online more do they need to like yeah, hire so, like professional I, yeah What well, what what does it what has to happen for like this not to go even more off the rails than it already has
2: i think it's, like, this is i think it's okay for me to say like i i basically ran this uh little lunchtime thing in parliament called um mp's toolkit where basically like uh So like my friends, I do have friends who are MPs and the thing about all of them is that basically none of them have a very good Twitter presence and that's because they do really controversial stuff like trying to bring local campaigns to Westminster and responding to casework and chairing committees and like doing their jobs. Mm. (laughs) So like I'm sort of friends with, 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 these people who you know, like the internet has never heard of, um, mm-hmm. and um, and we sort of, you know, sort of collectively, kind of were like, actually, you know, there's a lot, you know, they're they're older these guys right? um, and and ladies, and um, like you know, well, let's put on these these sort of lunchtime, uh, you know, um, things for like the 2019 intake, so we can teach them to be better democratic mm. representatives because actually. That 2019 intake has come into Parliament, and a lot of them are very young, but also they've done their first year like over Zoom, like a lot of people who started their jobs yeah. midway through a pandemic. They don't really know where anything is or how it works or all the rest of it. So we still sort of put these things on, and I was sitting in one of them, and like one of these MPs, like the subject drifted onto this, and there's like this MP who's like freaking out over the fact that. He doesn't yet have a TikTok account. Mm. <laughs> 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 like I'm not, I'm not making this up. And, and this big sort of discussion over like how many times a day should I be posting? Which platforms should I be prioritizing? Mm. They're all like looking to me for this. And I'm like, sorry, <laughs> but why? Like why? And, and I'm immediately sort of doing myself a, jo- a job saying this. Cause like, you know, their content sustains me. You know, yeah. I, I am, one of the vampires who who leech off the free drama that they provide every day. <laughs> uh, but I'm like, I'm sorry, but why do you need to do this? Like, there are, you know, you don't have to communicate with your constituents that way. Yeah. Um, you know, so, like, are they going to get more hyper online? Like, definitely. I mean, you just look at that intake and they're of that generation. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, how do they handle it? You know, well, it's gonna be it's gonna be sort of down to individuals who and how and how they are outside of their work, the same with the rest of us. Like, you know, there are certain people in the media sphere who you and I all know have essentially used the internet to like self detonate what was potentially quite a promising career. You know, they went completely bonkers through posting. I'm sure we can all think of like who they are <laughs> um, <laughs> but then but then there are others who've used it incredibly like well and productively, and not only has it got them work it's you know kind of been the thing that's made them etc et etc cetera, et cetera. so yeah I mean it's, in answer to your question, all of the usual uh sort of double-edged swordness that that we know among, like, our friends and our colleagues, it's totally the same for those people. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Which is a boring answer, but I think mm-hmm. probably the right one. I think it's one.
0: probably, like... Yeah, I think it probably makes the most sense. I guess, like, the way that I was thinking about it was also... Like, there will come a point where, like, you have a generation of people who are in parliament who, like, have sort of grown up on the internet in, like, you know, for, like, throughout their sort of formative years. But at the moment, you're in this period where, like, some, you've got some of the younger intake and you've got some of, like, the more online intake. And then you've got people who are, like, who have very different relationships with online, whether they kind of view it primarily as, like, something you use to kind of, like, Google facts that you don't know or, um, like, to kind of, like, message your grand, your, 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 your grandkid on Facebook or something. Uh, but, and because of that disparity, you you can bet like there's the opportunity for a lot of mess to happen. Right. Um, oh, yeah. because like because you'll have like some people who will be able to harness online in ways that are just like a lot smarter and a lot, more um conniving or at least a lot more calculated than well,
2: well like, and also it's going to be one of those things where the, the dynamic with the main you know look how deanna davidson got described as like the tiktok mp despite having like 13 followers on there yeah you know mm. she, 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 she <laughs> at least someone had told the times that that was the case you know yeah. uh, <laughs> so it's it's also there's that dynamic as well in terms of like how they The mainstream media is always going to carry more clout than the social ones. I think uh, up until the point you reach sort of what's uh, you know Zara Sultana levels of online fame, and then you're probably yeah. I I don't know what what is Zara Sultana like? Is she? I mean, she's she's winning. Yeah, well, thing, but is, yeah does that mean she's like safe in her seat does it mean right, that and, her um, constituents are better served because of it i don't know right, but, and you know. yeah and
0: i think like and we don't have any time to really talk about this today but it is a really interesting thing that we should get to like at some point in the future which is like what does it mean to sort of be like winning on TikTok, or what does it mean to be like winning on these platforms when like as we've all experienced in like various different forms That winning is very determined, but it is very much determined on like what platforms sort of see as valuable, Um, and that can change like within an instant. And it can like just as much as it can sort of make careers, it can like destroy them like more instantaneously than like your kind of traditional media infrastructure. So it's just very kind of like, and I can understand why people who are sort of told that like, oh, you should be like putting your message out there on these online platforms are very, very skeptical about that. But also why it tends to be a lot more appealing to people who kind of understand that what these platforms are very good for are for, are for creating, um or like they're, they're there for creating like moments that are ephemeral, but they are there for like cultivating emotion that sustains for a lot longer and can be used for like, uh, they can be used for like political and like, uh material ends that quite often work against the people who you're like trying to cultivate that emotion from. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. Is that a good way to end it? Do you want to do, do wanna end it on something else? Or
2: I mean listen, I, my brain has yeah, been our uh, brains have been 45 degree mush for the last half hour. Oh, of this, so yeah, okay. Whatever anyone gets out of this, I'm I'm delighted. Yeah, well look, for, 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 <laughs> Alan,
0: thank you for joining us on this extremely hot day to talk talk to us about uh some extremely cold posting. Um i don't know if it's cold posting but uh yeah uh it was a fun episode uh
2: i'm just worried about phoebe i feel that yeah like, i am wondering if, if... suddenly uh catch fire
1: <laughs> no, no no i'm well <laughs> the, the sun has moved over enough that i'm no longer sitting in direct sunlight i'm just in a kind just of in, you're just in your, all, yeah you're you're, of you're in your own bubble.
0: little heat dome um
1: yeah i do feel like i'm in a heat <laughs> dome um and like earlier, I was like, "Oh well, I'll just like open the door, and then maybe I'll get some no. air, get, get some air in here." But no, it's like opening the door to an no, oven. No, that's
0: that's why you've got to like shut your windows, black out your black out, yeah, or sh- yeah, shut your doors, black out your windows, uh, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, Alan, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, we really appreciate it. If people want to like follow your stuff or like. Uh, follow up on like what what kind of things you're don't working. On. I,
2: don't, I don't I don't like attention. Okay, you should <laughs> <laughs> no, follow politics It's a good website. Yeah, you know.
0: Um, yeah, and that, uh, but also, uh, yeah, if you have any like, I what I will say is that if you have any like random magic facts or random clown facts, like to do do send them to do send them. Uh,
2: can, can can they send? them, <laughs> can can they send them to send? We you? didn't talk about like so Tom Tugendhat. We didn't even talk about. Could have been the case that Britain's Prime Minister. Quote tweeted my magic on Twitter and verified it as impressive.
0: Whoa, and I was yeah, on one oh, yeah, doing a
2: magic trick.
0: And we didn't talk, yeah, um. we didn't talk about Penny Morden being a magician's assistant, something that I no, want to find didn't. out a lot more about. Uh, but maybe, yeah. but look, maybe, maybe if Penny becomes PM, we can sort of do like a long term investigation as to what happened, uh, what happened during her years, uh, as a magician's assistant absolutely <laughs> so <clears throat> so let's do that yeah um yeah thank you to listen thank you to uh you guys for listening to this episode uh you can follow us at 10k Postpod on twitter uh you can follow me at echkasvani phoebe georgia your plugs before we melt
1: uh yeah you can uh listen to me and milo's seinfeld podcast which is masters of our domain over at masters of pod on twitter where we post episodes and stuff also you can support this show by uh by supporting our patreon um five dollars a month a bonus episode every week yeah and in the future you'll have access to a discord if we get around it will happen i promise it'll
0: happen before the end of the morbius (laughs) summer This show is produced by Devon. You can follow them at Devon underscore on Earth. And you can also listen to their podcast, Kill James Bond. It's very, very good. Also has a Patreon where you can listen to really great bonus content from them. Um, And I think that's it from us. So until next time, we'll catch you later. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.